Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys doing this morning? Fantastic, man. You guys are awake. You're alive, which is always good. Welcome to everybody that's in the room. All those folks who are over in the video theater, theater 15. So glad that you're here. If you're watching it online or through Facebook Live, welcome to our final part, our final series entitled Get Your Life Back. We hope you've enjoyed this series. It's been hyper-practical. And before I just dig into this series, I just I want to pull back the curtain of Oz a little bit and just give you the reason why Carlo and I teach the way that we do. Because here's what we believe at OneChurch.tv. We believe that the Bible is true, and we believe it's the authority that we live our lives on. Now, I've grown up in church, and I tell you, I've read the Bible over and over again, and I know it to be true, and I know it works in my life because it's true. But here's what I also know. We have people that show up every Sunday, and they're not church people. Uh, they've, never read, they've never read the Bible. They're not really Christians. Uh, so the reason why we teach the way that we do is we teach truth, and we know it's going to work in your life. And even if you don't believe it to be true, if you do what the Bible says, it will change your life. It will make you better, and Jesus will make you better at life. That's what we believe. So as you kind of dig in and as you work on time and priorities and finances and, and looking at some principles of marriage and parenting, we believe that you're going to go, wow, this stuff works. And because it works, maybe, just maybe, I should believe that it's true and I will put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that's our prayer. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for kind of testing the waters, especially if this is your brand uh, first time with us today. I want to kind of uh, go over the, the, I guess, the big picture, if you will, and go over the past weeks of where we've been, because every message has really built on one another. The first week, we looked at this concept that we should abandon balance and embrace what? Passion, exactly right. The balance is not a goal worth achieving. In fact, I believe it's even unattainable. But we also realize that the people who make history, they're not balanced people. They're people who are passionate. They're passionate people. So as we kind of live through life, I encourage you, don't do the balance thing because balance in our culture feels a lot like retreat, that I'm going to do less of this and less of this and less of this. And ultimately, you, do, you really end up doing a less of everything and not doing what God has called you to do. So abandon balance and embrace passion. The second week, we looked at this idea that all of us, we, just, we say this thing all the time that I just don't have the time. I don't have the time for this. I don't have the time for that. I'm too busy, and we encourage you guys to discover that's a lie, that we need to stop saying we don't have the time, and we need to start admitting that we didn't make the time, because here is the facts, that you have the same amount of day as I do. We have 24 hours a day. Every single day, we all get 24 hours, and it really, sometimes the lies that we tell ourselves are the most deadly, so stop lying to yourself that you don't have enough time. You have enough time to lean into God and, and read his word, and that will change your life. You have enough time to be a good parent. You have enough time to build into your relationship with your spouse. The issue is you're not making the time, and that really is an issue of priorities, and we, we talked about that in week four. Week three, we looked at this. We, yes, it's all about time management, but it's also about managing your energy because here's the reality. Even though we all get 24 hours a day, not all 24 hours feel equal. So we just encourage you guys, hey, discover what you're good at, discover what you're best at, and then do what you're best at when you're at your best. You see, here's what I believe, that you're all, you're all a 10 at something, 
that we're all, God has gifted us, we have certain talents, and that you're to do what you're best at when you're at your best because not every hour feels the same. 11 o'clock in the morning is going to feel vastly different than 11 o'clock at night and understand your rhythms and your high energy. And then last week, we looked at this jar right up here and we, de- we found out that priority determines capacity. The priority determines capacity. That this jar represents your day, and all of these little small pebbles represents all the things that we do during the day. Not bad things, but we just waste our time. Whether it's playing on our phones, whether it's uh, watching YouTube, uh, Hulu, Netflix, whatever it is. And when we do all that stuff, and then we say, okay, now I'm going to prioritize marriage, I'm going to prioritize my family, work, my relationship with God, that if we try to cram those things after this, it doesn't fit. And that we have to get our priorities right, that we need to put the big rocks in first. We're to put God first in our lives. We're to put our spouses second. We're to put our kids third. And for some of you, you're going through life and you're like, man, I'm just too busy. I don't have enough hours. And really, the issue is you're not prioritizing correctly. So some of you, I hope this past week, through the small group questions that we give you guys, that you've kind of processed what are some of your big things? What are some of the things that you want to say, I want to get that accomplished? Because Priority determines capacity. Now, today, we're going to get crazy practical, but here's because here's the reality: you can't do everything, right? If you did, if you abandon balance, embrace passion. If you try to do everything passionately, you're going to do nothing passionately, right? So, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you guys. I'm gonna learn how to say a very important word today, and the word I'm wanting you to learn how to say is the word no. No. In fact, will you look at your person next to you and say, no. Now, for some of you guys, that's not the first time you've heard that, isn't it? Just saying. All right? But, see, but because we live in the South, I want to teach you how to say the word no, but say it nicely. Because here's the reality. Here in the South, you're on the interstate, somebody cuts you off. You're going to probably flip them off, but you're going to flip them off nicely, right? Or you're going to say, bless their heart. By the way, If somebody ever says, bless your heart, that's not a compliment for you, okay? It sounds ooey, gooey, and sugary, but it's not a compliment. You've just been called an idiot, okay? So I'm going to teach you today how to say no and how to say no nicely because the reality is a lot of us, you struggle with saying no. You struggle with people pleasing, and, and the, 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 really the, the crux of it is if you say yes to everything, you're not going to do anything well. So I'm going to teach you how to say no. Now, here's the reality of it. Yes and no. Yes is a very powerful word. If you think about it, yes. I like saying yes to folks. Because if they need help, if they they need encouragement, need whatever, and they need time, I want to say yes to them. And some of you, you want to say yes as well. And yes is a powerful word, but no makes yes more powerful. No makes yes more powerful. Because if you're saying yes to everything... Ultimately, you end up really saying yes to nothing really important because you're stretched so thin, you're exhausted, you're tired, you don't have time for your kids, you don't have time for your spouse, you don't have time for God, you never have time getting to God's word, and you don't have time to grow in your faith, you got people you want to invest in to pour yourself into, you want to be able to serve in the church, serve in your community, but you never quite get to it because you've said yes, 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 and there's only so many hours in the day. I tell you, no makes yes more powerful. So here's our big idea for this week, the last week. 
saying no to good things allows you to say yes to great things. Let's say that together, can we? Saying no to good things allows you to say yes to great things. Early in your life, think about this. When you were a teenager, your choices between, okay, I'm going to do something bad or I'm going to do something good, <clears throat> right? And it was kind of clear in our lives, but so many times the bad things look good, right? When you're a kid and you're a teenager, right? But when you get older, it's usually, we don't struggle between the bad and the good. What we struggle with, because life gets more complicated the older you get, if you don't know that, Merry Christmas. Um, but the older you get, it gets more complicated, and really, we struggle between that's good, and that's good, and that's good, and that's good. And if we say yes to all of the good things, then really what we're saying no to the great things, because when they show up, we don't have enough margin. See, here's what I know about you. Some of you, you want to say yes to God, but you're having to say no to God right now. In a lot of areas of your life, and I'm just going to pick one, and that's giving. You know, financially, God's word says, I want you, God says, I want you to prioritize me first, and I want you to give the first 10% to me. And some of you are like, okay, you know, I know I should do that. I know I should do that. For, for 14 years, my wife and I, we knew that we should do that, but we did nothing. And here's the reason why. is because we had stretched ourselves so thin, and we were overspending and we were saying yes to eat now, yes to do this, yes to that. And some of you, you want to say yes to God right now and be generous, but you just got your credit card bill from all the gifts that you bought come Christmas. Let's tell the truth, shame the devil, right? You want to say yes, but you're having to say no to God because your priorities are out of whack. You need to put the big rocks in first. See, the problem is, is when we don't prioritize and we don't learn how to say no, the important things don't make it in. They just don't fit. Kids, marriage, relationship, God, work, church, exercise, all of that stuff. We have to narrow the focus. You have to learn to say no to good things so that you can say yes to great things. There's a million good things you could do. But what is that great thing? What is that God thing that we need to do? Jim Collins said it this way in his fantastic business work entitled Good to Great. He says this, mediocre bad is not the enemy of the great. Do you know what the enemy of the great is? It's just good. If you don't have the ability to distinguish between good and great and to say no and to say yes, you're never ever going to experience what's truly great. Now, we're going to be digging into the book of Exodus today. That's the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. And we're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Moses, who was a really good leader, and we're going to see him not that great today. But as you kind of dig in there, go ahead and get your Bibles apps open, or if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that. If I could just be real honest with you, some of you, you want to say yes to God, but you just can't. And today, I want to give you the ability to prioritize and you need to learn how to say no nicely because the older you get, life just gets more complicated. It does. It just does. Now, let's talk about Moses. Moses lived 1,400 years before Jesus. So he's living in 1,500 B.C. And I'll tell you about Moses. Moses, he was an Israelite. He was part of the Hebrew people. But the Hebrew people, they were captured and enslaved by the Egyptians in this time in their history. But Moses, through some circumstances and a series of events, he 
is living his life as an Egyptian. He's living like Egyptian. He's reading like Egyptian. He's walking like an Egyptian. Come on now. That's good. I didn't do that first or second service. All right. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, he thought he was somebody. He was somebody. I mean, he, he, he was going to all the great schools. In fact, if I could just kind of give you an overview of Moses' life, Moses lived until, and he died when he was 120 years old. So he lived for 120 years, and you can break up Moses' life into three groups of 40 years. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was somebody. He thought his stuff didn't stink until he killed somebody, and he was kind of on the run. So he left Egypt, and he moved far away, and he started to become a shepherd. (laughs) And just him hanging out with sheep for the next 40 years, he learned that he was nobody. And it was during that time where God showed up in the burning bush and spoke to Moses and said, listen, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And you are to go and you need to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Exactly right. Some of y'all, you've heard that. And Moses went and he went and he, and he told Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh's like, uh-uh, not going to do that. These the, this slaves are part of our economy. And through 10 miraculous plagues and some things, I tell you, what happened is eventually Pharaoh let God's people, the Hebrews, go. And Moses led the 2 million Israelites out of Egypt, exiting Egypt. That's why we get the word exodus. Out of Egypt, going into the promised land. And for the next 40 years, Moses led God's people. And this is the last 40 years Moses learned that God can take nobodies and turn them into somebodies. So that is his life. And I want to dig into the last 40 years of his life. And we're going to see uh, that God's going to speak through the Ten Commandments to Moses, that God has a specific call on Moses' life. And he is leading millions of people. And he has this responsibility of figuring out how to be a good leader. But at this point in Moses' life, he's blowing it. He's not a good leader. He's, he's, he's not good at all. And he's heard from God. He has this calling of his life, yet he still struggles with time management and priorities. And that should be an encouragement to you and to me, that God can call you, that you and I can spend time reading God's word, and we still struggle to make good choices when it comes to time and energy and priorities because saying yes to the good things, man, it, it allows us, we really can't say yes to the great things in our lives. So we pick up our story in Exodus chapter 18. Moses is leading the people, and I'm going to give you some context here in a minute, but in, a, in just a few minutes, we're going to hear from Moses' father-in-law. His name is Jethro. Now, how many of y'all, you know somebody named Jethro in the South? Let me hear you. Uh, you know, the only person I know named Jethro is uh, he was actually out shooting for some food, but missed, and up from the ground came a bubbling crude, right? But this is another Jethro we're going to look at today, and, uh, and that's his father-in-law. But here's the context. This is what's happening. Moses, chapter 18, verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. So what was happening? People don't get along, just like today. They don't get along back then either. And neighbors would kind of they'd take each other to court, and they would need a mediator or a moderator, so they would go to Moses because Moses is the leader, and they waited. Look what it says. They waited before him from what? Morning till evening. Now let me give you some context. 
morning till evening. It looked a lot like this. Look at this picture up here. This picture is of Disney World. Now, some of you people love Disney World. I call you sick people. Now, here's the reason why. I, I, want, I want to believe, right? I love Mickey. I love Minnie. But when I pay $130 a ticket and I show up in, during the summer and it's 120 degrees and I'm waiting for six hours in line to go ride on Dumbo, at the end, I think maybe I'm the Dumbo. I mean, come on. I mean, look at those crowds. And some of y'all, well, you got to use the fast pass, Pastor. You got to use. I don't care how fast you go. Look at that line. Look at all those people. Magical place on earth. My wife calls it another word. She calls it hell. Okay. Anyway, but that is Moses. All of those lines. Everybody's waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line from morning until evening with no fast pass, fast passes. Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? That's a great question. Jethro asked the question that everybody really wanted to ask Moses, but nobody had enough courage to really ask him. I mean, with all of your busyness, Moses, with all your waiting in lines, with, with all of you trying to you know, figure it out how to do what you do, you, and you, with your attitude of I'm so the most important and I'm so busy and I don't have the time, and what are you really accomplishing, Moses? With all of your activity, with all of your busyness, what are you really accomplishing here? And then he continues, why are you trying to do this all alone? While everyone, look at this, stands around you from morning until evening. Now, here's the thing. If I went to your workplace tomorrow, if I went and hung out at your home sometime this week or got into your life this next month, I bet I'm going to find some people waiting around, waiting on you. You're trying to do this all by yourself. The company's growing, your family's growing, the organization is growing, and everybody's waiting on you. In fact, you're the bottleneck. And for some of you, you're the bottleneck in your house, you're the bottleneck in your work, you're the bottleneck with your family, your business. And I know there are times, I've been there, but we think, you know what, I can do this all by myself. We sound like two-year-olds, don't we? How many of y'all, you got two-year-olds in your life? Let me hear you. How many of y'all need some more sleep because you're two-year-old? All right, none of, none of y'all got young children. All right. Anyway, those, how many of y'all have had two-year-olds? All right, here we go. Thank you. So when you had that two-year-old, and that two-year-old's kind of in over his head, in over her head, and she's trying to do something, and you're trying to help him, and what do they say? No, mama, I can do it all by myself, right? But honestly, we're going, you can't do that. We know that as adults, but many times we are the exact same way. God, I can do this all by myself. Or I don't need my spouse to help or a co-worker. I can do it all by myself. So Jethro asked Moses, what are you really trying to accomplish? And this is how Moses replies. Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. Why are you doing this? Well, these people just show up. He puts the blame. By the way, you know how to spell blame? being lame. Merry Christmas, right? You see, Moses is like, it's these people's fault. 
right? They're all so jacked up. They just show up outside of my tent, and he shows up, and her shows up, and she shows up. And I mean, and, and, and we got two million people, and now I got two million problems because these people can't get along, and they want to come and look to me. But look, at what, look at what he says. He goes on. When the dispute arises, they come to me. Everybody say me. And I, turn to your, your person next to you and say, I, I, look at this, I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I, say I again, I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. I think Moses had an I problem. Some of you, you have an I problem. Because if you don't do it yourself, it won't get done. If it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. And here's the thing about it. You see, when you push away everybody and you push away people that could help and insist on doing it your own way, here's what you're going to realize. You're going to get burned out. And, and people are going to be waiting on you and you're going to be frustrated pulling your hair out. You know, it's, it, I mean, gosh, God, I could do this all by myself. Well, that's one way to live. I don't think that's the correct way to live. And theologically, I definitely don't think that's right. But look at what he says. Jethro responds, this is not good, Moses. Not good. You are going to what? Wear yourself out. I.e., you are going to burn yourself out, Moses. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to have millions of people dependent upon you, and you're going to be no good to your wife. You're going to be no good to your kids, and you're going to be no good to these two million people waiting on you right now. It's not good for you, and look at this, and the people too. It's not good, it's not good for you, and it's not good for them. So who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Jethro says this, The job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by myself, right? It ain't, it, it's not up to you, right? Don't do it all by yourself. Don't be a toddler here, Moses. Some of you, that's exactly where you are. If I could just pick just a little bit. Some of you ladies, the reason why you're so frustrated is because you have to do it all by yourself. You don't ask your kids. You don't ask for help. And you, you just insist on doing and, and, man, that's where you want to absolutely pull your hair out. That's when you look at your husband and say, I need some help. That's when you get your kids up that you've been treating as a wonderful snowflake. You say, get up and make your bed. Get up and take out the trash. Go mow the lawn. I don't care if your baby is two years old. Make them. I'm just joking. My point is... The reason why you have kids is what? So they can do the chores, right? Let me tell you, some of you are like, that's not right. Listen, back in the 1800s, I'm going to get real with you today. Back in the 1800s, people, we lived in an agrarian society, farmers, right? And you had children. You had Jimmy, Sally, and Jane so that Jimmy could go milk the cow at 530 in the morning. And so that Sally would go collect the eggs from the hen house. And so that Jane could go slop the hogs. Now, some of you, you don't know nothing about that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So, see, here's the thing. You have, if you're part of the family, you got to have responsibility. You do chores. So all I'm encouraging you to do is to ask for some help. And yeah, it's going to take some while to motivate them. <laughs> I understand that. But you can find ways to motivate them. 
right, moving on. You need a new strategy, Moses. Some of you, you need a new strategy. And Jethro says, here it is. Now listen to me, Jethro says, and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. Look at this next verse. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing disputes to them. Jethro's saying, Moses, what you're doing is good. What you're doing is exactly what you should be doing. You should continue. You're doing something good here. You need to be involved. See, the answer is not to be, have more balance and to withdraw from that. No, 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 no. You're to be passionate about that, but you need a new strategy. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Look at this. That's Moses' job description right there. Look at it. Teach them, give them, and show them. That's what you should be doing. Teach them, give them, show them, and then look what he says. And then after that, but, there's a contrast there, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. What Jethro was telling Moses is this. You need to surround yourself with some people of integrity. Why? Because everything rises or falls on leadership. You hear what I just said? Everything rises or falls on leadership. And let me tell you, if you're a leader in here today, and some of you, you're leading your families, you're leading, you're leading at your business, if you don't have integrity, it's only a matter of time before you're taken out. Before somebody takes you out or before God takes you out. Because everything rises or falls on leadership. Then he says this, appoint them as leaders over groups of, look at this, 1,150 and 10. This is the first org chart found in the Bible. In fact, here it is. Here's the chart up here. We got Moses at the top and Jethro saying, listen, Everybody has access to you right now, and you're saying yes to a bunch of good things, but you need to learn how to say yes to great things. You need to appoint some people. Find some godly people and make them over, uh, put them leaders over thousands, leaders over hundreds, leaders over fifties, and leaders over tens. This is kind of the first time small groups are mentioned in the Bible. And if you're able to do that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to actually get some stuff done. And what's going to happen is you're going to provide the people on those tens accountability, belonging, and care. They're going to be cared for because you can't care for two million people. And I've had to learn this. Man, when we, our church first started, we had 30 people on our launch team. I knew everybody's name, which was a miracle. For some of you know, I'm awful with names. I knew everybody's name. I loved hanging out with everybody because I'm a people-oriented person. But as our church started to grow, grow, and grow, and we've had now over 10,000 people come through our doors, if, if, I, if, I ever, if I had to like say, okay, I had to know everybody's name and you got to come in, I would be the bottleneck of this growth. And God is telling Moses, no. What you need to do is you need to set up people to be over 10s and over 50s and over 100s and over 1,000s. And what's interesting here is it takes a different type of skill set to be over 1,000 than to be over 10, doesn't it? People who are good at overseeing 1,000 people many times are awful at overseeing 10 people. Why? Because they're not people-oriented, and you get around a person face-to-face, and it's like, this is a little awkward, right? But those people who are good at 10s, they may not be good at managing 1,000. What he's saying is, find what you're good at and do it. And Moses, right, right now, what you're doing is not good. 
And this is, I love this. It's, 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 he says this away about our church, that the church is to be the body of Christ. And that I don't have all the gifts. It all doesn't have to come through me. There are some people who are far more talented than I am in so many different areas. Can you imagine if I had to sing, play the guitar, play the drums, preach, be with your children, and greet y'all? Number one, I would be dead. Number two, there would be some awful stuff going on around here, awful music, right? I would never change your baby, right? Because so, I don't like it, right? I mean, it's just, it's just the facts, right? I'm, just, I'm not good with young, young kids. I love them when they get a personality. They're not so codependent. Just telling you, all right? This, by the way, this, feels, this is good for me. It's counseling for me. This... Anyway, so my point is, all of us, it's not just one person. It takes all of us. We're the body of Christ. Some of you, your thumbs, some of you are hands, some of you are knees, some of you are knees and shoulders, heels and toes. <laughs> anyway, um, some of you, your armpits, right? Whatever you are, it takes all of us. We're the body of Christ. And again, for some of you who are stay-at-home moms, get your children to help out with dishes or the trash or whatever it is so that you're not alone in this. If you're doing everything yourself, you will naturally fail. I will and you will. He continues, verse 22. They should always be available, talking about the people, tens, thousands, all that. They should always be available to solve people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders, let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. What Jethro is saying is they have gifts, let them use them. Don't micromanage them. Let them do it. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. You're going to benefit. They're going to benefit. Verse, verse 23, if you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures. And then he says this in verse 24. Moses listened to his father's advice. That's the first miracle found in the Bible right there. I'm joking. But can you imagine if you actually listen to your father-in-law's advice, right? Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them. He gave them authority and responsibility to be leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. Moses had to learn how to say no. So I'm going to teach you guys how to say no nicely today. Y'all ready to do this? That's what I wanted to hear. Exactly right. All right. So here's how to say no nicely. The first way, when somebody asks you to do something, you're just like, I don't think this is me. You don't, just, you don't have to be mean about it. The first thing I want to encourage you to do, and it's counterintuitive, but I want you to simply say, you know what? I'd love to. I'd love to. Because honestly, when people invite me or say, hey, can we get together? I really would love to. I'd really to love to get to know that person more or maybe to lean in or maybe help them with this problem or whatever. I would love to. But here's the reality. If I said yes to everybody, I would be saying no to my family, my wife. So say I'd love to and then affirm their intention. It's important to recognize that being invited in to, into something, that's an honor. Don't become so cold-hearted that it's just you say no so easily. Most people have really good reason why they want to meet with you. So thank them about that. Third, don't commit on the spot. This is a big one. When somebody says, hey, can we go do this? Don't say, sure. 
slow down, wait, wait. It's okay to say, let me think about that. Let me ask, uh, let me look at my calendar. Let me ask my wife. Let me ask my husband. Uh, let me get back to you. It's okay to slow down and think about it. And that gives you some time is, should I really be doing this? Is this the most valuable use of my time? Is there somebody better that can maybe help them out? Because many times that's it. Fourthly, use your calendar. This is a big deal. Use your, uh, we talked about this last week, your fixed calendar, right? And you got to choose who to cheat. Let me explain that. Here's a, a picture of my family. My wife and I, we're going to celebrate 25 years of marriage this December. And like, she's amazing for putting up with me for that long. I also have three boys, Bing, who's 10 years old, Jed, who's 13, he's sitting in the back, and then my oldest son, Walt, who's 19. Here's what I mean by you got to choose how to cheat. Because if I say yes to your family and yes to your problem, yes, I'll meet with you on this evening and this evening and this evening, what's going to happen is who am I saying no to if I say yes to everybody else? I'm saying no to them. And my first responsibility is not to be the pastor of OneChurch.tv. My first responsibility is to be a child of God, one. Two, to love my spouse. And three, to love my kids. Now, some of you, you struggle with that. Some of you, you're workaholics, you struggle with that. Some of you, you put your children first over even your spouse. And I'm going to tell you that is absolutely wrong. In fact, I talked about this in a series uh, that's going to be on the screen behind me called uh, Frantic Family. And in one of those weeks, I simply said this, child-centered homes tend to produce selfish children. Your children are not to be the center of your universe or your attention. So you got to put it in priority, right? Use your calendar. Five is be firm. If you know why you can't do it, stick to it. Stick to it. Be firm. Know why you're saying no and stand your ground. And then lastly, thank them. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm sorry I can't do it, but thank you so much for the invitation. Now, that seems common sense, but I've realized sometimes common sense is not that common. Thank them. Because it really is an honor for you to be invited into their life. Now, let's put all of these together. Number one, say you'd love to. Affirm their intention. Don't commit on the spot. Use your calendar. Be firm. Know why you need to say no. And lastly, thank you so much for that invitation. That is how you say no nicely. Because here's the reality. By saying no to good things allows you to say yes to great things. So my challenge as I close... What do you need to say no to this week? What do you need to say no to this week? See, some of you, you need to say no to some things so that you can say yes to God and make God a priority. And then my second challenge is what do you need to say no to forever? Forever. I like how Matthew 6.33 says this. It says this, Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all of these things will what? Fall into place. Some of you, you need some of your life to fall into place. In order for that to happen, you need to get your priorities straight. You need to put God first and your spouse second and your children third, your work fourth. And prioritize, get those big rocks in first and then add everything else. Because I'm telling you, if you do this, it works. Why? Because it's biblical. It's true. And I promise you, as you try this, you're going to go, wow, 
this is amazing. God is amazing. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, that we can come today. And you can just be so practical with us, Jesus Christ, about time, about energy, about priorities, about how to live our life, about how to schedule. God, I pray that we would be able to do that. And God, I pray that we would be able to say yes to you more often. God, that we would be able to say yes to spending time with you. Yes to spending time with our families. Yes to pouring into our marriage. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.